0: We'll be reading from Isaiah 53, uh, the entire chapter. Who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field, There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains He carried our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sins. He took the punishment. And that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong on him, on him. He was beaten. He was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered, and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. Justice miscarried, and he was let off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of my people? They buried him with the wicked, threw him in a grave with a rich man, even though he'd never hurt a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, it's what what God had in mind all along, to crush him with pain. The plan was that he give himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life coming from it, life, life and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Out of that terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it's worth it and be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones as he himself carries the burden of their sins. Therefore, I'll reward him extravagantly, the best of everything, the highest honors, because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch, because he embraced the company of the lowest. He took on his shoulders the sin of many. He took up the cause of all the black sheep."
1: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you took up our cause. You took up the cause of us black sheep. Ones that could not save ourselves. Ones, Father, that need your Son, Jesus Christ. We needed Him to go to the cross. We needed Him to be rejected, to face physical punishment, and to bear our sins on the cross. Without that, Lord, we would not be able to have our souls come alive and be redeemed and even be able to sit here tonight. Father, may I understand, may we understand the great and mighty and awesome sacrifice that you have made happen for us. Black sheep, lowly men and women that go their own way. Help us, Father, tonight as we look at this scripture As we look at Isaiah 53, to understand exactly what you have done for us. In Jesus' precious holy name, amen. What is the greatest message that you have ever heard? In your life, you've heard many of them. It could have been something like, I love you. Or, you got the job. Or, it's a boy. The messages that we hear in our lives, the ones that we desire, are so different than the message that we're going to hear tonight, that the message of God to us for our very souls. I was thinking in in Acts 8, when Philip is called by God, and he's called to go to a chariot, to a man who's reading Isaiah 53. It's an Ethiopian eunuch, and he's reading Isaiah 53. And God calls Philip to him to go and explain it to him. So as he goes to the chariot, he hears the Ethiopian reading these words. Like a lamb that's led to slaughter, like a sheep that is silent before its shearers. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living? So Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian had to be honest. How how can I understand what's here? This amazing scripture, I don't understand it. How can I understand it unless somebody guides me and somebody tells me? And he also asked the question, Who is he speaking about? Is he speaking about himself? Or or is he speaking about somebody else? Is he speaking about Israel? Who is he speaking about in this passage? And from that passage, Philip preaches the Lord Jesus Christ to him. He gives him the gospel from Isaiah 53 and probably from some other Old Testament scriptures. But it's amazing to see here that God is using Philip and preaching from the Old Testament And what he must have said to him, what he must have been preaching to him was a message that our Savior, my Savior, your Lord, your Redeemer, your God, he had to be rejected. He had to go through physical pain and he had to bear our sins on the cross. Now, if we look at Isaiah 53, we'll look at rejection first off. He was despised and forsaken. It says in Isaiah 53, verse 3, He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And when like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we esteemed him not. From the very beginning of Jesus' life, the Lord that we know, the Lord that we love, from the very beginning, his birth points to his rejection. Just the the very fact that Mary was unwed. Just the fact that the community that he lived in must have, what they must have thought of them. And then they come to Bethlehem and they can't even get a room. And they have to go to a cave or a stable. From the very beginning of our Lord's life, there was complete and absolute rejection. And think of his disciples, Peter, Peter, and Thomas, and the people that followed him, Pilate, and Herod. And and just before, I'm not so sure how long before, but maybe it was a week before that what we call Palm Sunday. And they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And they're praising Jesus as he comes in on a donkey. And what are they doing that we see Crucify him! Crucify him! The very same people that were saying, Hosanna in the highest. We see him utterly rejected. The soldiers, the two thieves on either side of him. Both of them at one time, and then the other one, God turns his heart. The term here that we read when it says, He was despised and we esteemed him not. It's a financial term. If you added everything up and you took everything from the world's eye of who Jesus was, and you added up everything, you would come to zero. They would say there was no worth. It didn't make any sense that here was the message that came: the Messiah, and they wanted a king. They wanted someone on a throne. They wanted somebody who was good-looking. But it says that He had no stately form that they would look upon Him. He had no appearance at all that they would be attracted to Him. Now look at our world. Look at the world that we live in today. It's not that much different than it was back then. The day doesn't go by that I don't look at myself and say, I'm getting old and I don't like the way I look and uh, look out and see everyone so concerned about appearance. The Savior, our Savior, did not come the way that we would think. It's actually ridiculous. If you were honest and I am honest, our hearts would say, it's ridiculous. As Paul says, the cross is foolishness. So he is rejected. Now tonight, what I would ask and what I've been doing for myself is to say, okay, Mark, how do you value Jesus Christ? How do you add him up? And what does he come to you in your life? And how do you show that? How do you act? And I'm obviously, and you all know me, I'm not a perfect man and never will be. But the way that we live consistently over time with god's holy spirit in us the world should be able to see that we are different we are so different than the world that we live in so how do you value jesus christ and i would just ask that you would ask yourself that question as you leave here tonight the second is physical pain isaiah 53 5 but he was pierced through for our transgressions He was crushed for our iniquities and the chastening, that's punishment from God, the chastening for our well-being fell upon him and by his scourging, we are healed. About 2004, Mel Gibson put out a movie called The Passion of the Christ. I could not, I don't think I actually got through it. I couldn't watch it. I couldn't sit there and watch everything that was happening to our Lord. I would turn my head, it was so gruesome. So I decided as I was preparing for this message that I would try to sit through it. And it took me three times, three separate times to sit there and to see the depiction that was pretty accurate. If you read history, what the Romans did and how they punished Jesus. They would take a a whip and at the end there would be maybe metal or, or usually bone. And as they scourged him or whipped Jesus, it would actually be whipped into his body, and it would stick in his skin. And then they would pull until it ripped everything that was there. And I'm thinking, why is he still alive? How could you survive something like that? And if you read history, it says that when the Romans did that, you actually they did it, you're supposed to maybe whip them about 39 times, but if they weren't in a particularly good mood, it could certainly be more than that. And in Jesus' case, I'm sure it was. And when they did it so severely, you can actually see deep inside the body and even to the spinal cord. That's the suffering that Jesus had on his body. But we, me and you, and the people that trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, have peace, are healed because of what he went through from the rejection, to the physical pain, that we have peace. You know, I recently read a letter from a wife, and she wrote publicly to her husband, we have been through difficult times, ups and downs, horrible situations, deaths, things I can't believe that we've been through, but I I love you, she said to her husband. I love you, I love you. But all I desire, and this is the point that she wrote at the end of the letter, all I desire is peace. That was the end of what she wrote. True and lasting peace. True and lasting peace. Trust me, you may be able to have peace one day and then flip-flop the next day and then have peace the next day. But true, true lasting peace for your soul can only come from faith and the blood and the sacrifice and the substitutionary death that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and for I. And and when I look out, I see all these faces of everybody here in your hearts are saying amen. I know that. I know that we love the Lord Jesus Christ and He is our Savior. And we could say amen to what He has done for us. That we have true And lasting peace. Amen? True and lasting peace that can only come from what God has done in our lives through Jesus. The last thing is bearing our sin. Isaiah 53, 6. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. The world may blame who they want for who actually killed Jesus. And every year at this time, there's always some kind of article or letter. Who actually killed him? Was it the Jewish people? Was it the Romans? We know for us, for us, God caused Jesus to go to the cross. Because he was pleased to do that. Because that's how much He loves you. If you don't hear anything else tonight, how much God has given everything that He has. He gave His one and only Son for you, for your wife, for your husband, for your daughter, for the people in your family, for your neighbor. He gave everything. And we could proclaim Jesus to the people that we know that he has taken our sins away. He has cleaned us so much of sin through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You know, you've heard that saying about the clean slate. Well, it's not just that he cleaned the slate of your heart or mind. He tossed the slate away. He has cleansed your soul as far as the east is from the west. As far as the east is from the west. In the Old Testament, it goes through how the Israelites would give sacrifices to God and how they would take two goats and one goat would be slaughtered and they would take the blood. And they would sprinkle it. And that's a picture of Jesus. That's a picture of the cross. It's a picture of what Jesus did for us. And he, they would sprinkle it. Now the other goat, the priest, would take two hands and he would put it on the on the head of the goat. And he would actually confess all the sins that Israel committed for that whole year. Everything. And he would put his hands on that goat. And then they would take that goat and then they would put it out into the desert. They would put it out into the wilderness and it would never come back. That's a picture of what Jesus has done for us. He gave his his body, he gave his blood that he could bear our sins like a scapegoat that will never return. All our iniquities fell on him. And you know from that, we get to sit here tonight as a family as brothers and sisters in christ and praise him that he has made us righteous pastor read that before that through the sacrifice of jesus there are many made righteous there was a lady that just came in the bank i worked for a local financial institution and she came into the bank and i i know her pretty well And she had come in a couple of months ago, and she was asking me, you know, Mark, do you have a good church? And, of course, I gave her ours. but uh, she didn't live in the area, so I gave her ours, and I gave her a couple of different churches. Well, anyway, she came in, and she told me that she had found a church, and I could just see the difference in her life. Well, this week she came in, and she stood. I'm going to say my office is here, and I'm going to say she was right back where Walter is, right around there. And she kind of just looked right at me. I mean there's tellers there's deaths there's people and she just looked right at me and she said happy resurrection day at first i was like wow i have never ever heard anybody do that or say that and i was just praising god i actually maybe 10 years ago would have been embarrassed even as a believer like oh my gosh you can't say that in the bank what are you doing But I didn't do that. I was like, yes, yes. I didn't yell back at her. I should have said, (laughs) amen. But I didn't do that. I should have. And I nodded and said, thank you, God. Thank you. Happy Resurrection Day. You can't say that, though, unless Jesus went to the cross and he suffered rejection and physical pain you can't say that unless He bore your sin. You just you can't pronounce it. On Sunday morning, you're not able to say He is risen. There's, there's nothing that's going to come back. We wouldn't even be sitting here. The pews are empty. We're not here. The building is not even here. Without what, what Jesus has done on the cross, for bearing our sin. Just in closing, you know, I... I'm getting older, and I don't like it. But what I, what I do understand, though, and what I do see, is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just for old guys like me. There's a, a hymn that I was reading, and I was blown away. It was written by, written by a 12-year-old. 12 to 16, they said. And you're going to know it. Let me just read the words to you. My Jesus, I love Thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased, and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Is that not the greatest message? The gospel of Jesus Christ, His grace, His mercy. Is that not the greatest message that you have ever heard? Is it not? Amen? It is the greatest message you will ever hear. And there is no other. And we go back to Philip, and we go back to the eunuch. Well, they're still in the chariot, and Philip is preaching the gospel to him. And the Ethiopian confesses Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Right there in the chariot. And not only that, he says, wait, there's water. What is preventing me from going down and being baptized? So Philip agrees, and they go down and... The Ethiopian is baptized, but this is the part that I love. I love this. You know what he does? It says that he goes away rejoicing. Philip is taken away, but the Ethiopian eunuch goes away rejoicing. I know I don't have the ability to be able to fully communicate to you what it means to have Jesus living inside of me. But I want to rejoice every single day. And I know my family looking at me, there are days I don't rejoice. And I'm sure you can all say the same thing. But overall, my prayer is that we would truly love Jesus and want to go about rejoicing and telling people that our Savior, Jesus Christ, was rejected for them and for us that he suffered physically for them and for us, and that he bore their sin on the cross. Let's pray. Oh, Father, God, Lord, please help. Help us. Help me through your Holy Spirit to truly comprehend what you have done for us. And Father, I know that I've messed up and I've made mistakes, and especially tonight, probably in my words and my thinking and and presenting, Lord, but may your Holy Spirit impress upon our hearts what you want us to hear. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross, for being rejected and suffering physical pain and bearing our sins on the cross. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your love that we could never, ever repay or even understand how to adequately thank you. But we do humbly come before you now, Lord, and say thank you and say that we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.